Well, hello, River House. It is good to be with you virtually tonight. A uh, couple things before I even get into the message. First is I miss you all uh, a lot. I was, uh, me and Jackie were going for a walk uh, yesterday, and we ran into uh, Kim Gillespie. You're probably watching. And we just got to chat with her for like five, ten minutes on the side of the road. And we were like, it was so good to see you. Like, bye. You know, and it was like, man. And we were like, we miss church, you know. So just know I miss you all. And uh, as much as I'm grateful for technology and being able to do this live stream and have amazing worship like what George just led us in, uh, there's still a longing in my heart. And I can't wait for us to be together again. Uh, second important announcement is, uh, as you can see right there, I am not married. So uh, we've been getting congratulations on our marriage, and that is because you do not read posts. You just looked at Jackie's picture, and you assumed that we were married. So I just want to clear the air here on the air and say she doesn't like it enough to put a ring on it yet. So I've been trying to get her to sign that marriage license, if I can get an amen from all my brothers in the Lord, but... Uh, <laughs> we're, uh, we are still, uh, our wedding is postponed and we're trying to figure that all out, but uh, it hasn't happened yet. So you can, um, you can, you can hold your congratulations until it's actually happened. So uh, I'm going to pray and then I'm going to preach like we normally uh, preach here at River House. So uh, if you're in your living rooms, you guys can uh, close your eyes, bow your heads. And we just ask Father that even uh, a part through the airwaves, through YouTube, through our televisions, that your holy presence will meet us right where we're at. And as we're meeting house to house in fellowship and prayer and worship and receiving the, the ministry of the word, that you'd encounter us with your glory, God, and equip us to walk with you, bringing heaven to earth in these days. God, we thank you for the opportunity of these times. Lord, and we ask that you would speak powerfully in this time, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Well, I'm going to continue on this sermon series that we actually started before the quarantine, and that is Discipled by Jesus, Learning How to Be Habitational Christians, which uh, really God was setting us up. I think uh, this is just as pertinent, probably more pertinent now than it was then. And I just believe that these are extremely significant days for the church and that God is giving us an opportunity to thoroughly uh, expand and develop an identity outside the four walls of Sunday. Uh, the church has been stuck inside a building, and right now we're not allowed inside of a building. And we can, you know, say, oh, you know, it is sad. We do miss it. And I think that we're probably going to value the Sunday gathering more on the backside of this. But at the same time, we're also going to recognize that we're not as it, it's not everything. Like, it's almost like we put value on Sunday things that aren't as valuable, and yet we're going to glean things. And so I think it's going to be a bit of like a process as we learn type experience. But God is discipling us outside of the four walls of the church, and that means that these are exciting times and that there's incredible opportunity in these days. You know, Graham Cook often says there's no such thing as problems in the kingdom. There's only possibilities. And so right now, we are ripe with possibilities to learn how to partner with God in new ways. And I believe God's wanting to do such a thorough work in these times and, and build our lives in, in actually new construction that, that what takes place in these next 30, 
40, 60, however many days this is, what this strange, bizarre season of life is, I believe God's going to do things that will lead to lasting impact in our life. And that is extremely excited. I just want to tell you that reformation is now. And part of reformation is tearing down of old things and it's building new things. And if you've been following our devotions, uh, I've, I've been you know, intentionally kind of partnering with this deconstruction theme to say, hey, let's press into the deconstruction. And I sense now, and as we go forward and even the devotions that are going to follow uh, in the days to come, is God doesn't, you know, God's a remodeler. So he doesn't tear down for the sake of tearing down. He tears down for the sake of building up. He, everything he does is with extraordinary hope in his heart. So, you know, if you think of someone that's going to an old house, they tear things down, but they're not doing that to destroy. They're doing that with the new vision of what they're going to build in its stead. And right now, I know that each one of you, we've all had to confront different things uh, through this this circumstance, it's there's there's a lot of things being challenged, a lot of assumptions being challenged. It's uncomfortable, and I, I believe there's been some tearing down. And I, I kind of want to turn focus tonight, and I want to cast vision and, and actually give some very practical, uh, you know, exhortations. I guess is the best word for how we can partner with God to construct uh, a new rhythm of life with God. So. Uh, just bear with me and I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to challenge you tonight to just obey what is presented to you. I believe that God is leading us. God is discipling us, right? And so I'm just going to start by saying this. Disciples are disciplined. That's what it means to be a disciple. Disciples are by definition, they're disciplined people, right? So discipline is actually what trains us. It trains our will to obey the things of the Spirit, right? So Jesus says that he's, uh, that in the, to the disciples in the garden, he says, your spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak, right? So discipline is actually how we're strengthening our spirit man to take the leadership of how we're gonna live our lives, right? So what Jesus is saying is your emotions right now, disciples, you're about to get really tired and you're about to be tested and you're not going to want to keep praying. And you're about to go through the hardest time of your life as I get betrayed in front of you and crucified and all of these things. He's saying your spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak, right? That is just as true for the church today as it was for the disciples. Jesus is saying, if you can tap into the strength of your spirit, you will actually find the fortitude you need to train your soul that it doesn't matter what you feel, you can follow me faithfully, right? And Jesus, uh, to disciple us, part of his discipleship is he takes us through seasons, he takes us on journeys, and he's trying to get us to see, he, he wants to see, will you obey me if you don't feel like it? Like, are you going to follow the spirit or are you going to be led by your emotions? Are you going to be led by my voice or are you going to be led by your inspiration and your feeling of epiphany in any given moment? Disciples are disciplined because discipline is what trains us to follow the spirit in our spirit, follow his spirit and actually subject, right? We have to, our soul has to submit to the leadership of God's spirit, which communes with our spirit. If we were all together, I'd say amen, and half of you would be like, amen. I'd be like, amen, and you'd finally be like, yeah, yeah, amen, amen. So I'll take that as your amen. All right, so I, disciples are 
disciplined. And I want to talk tonight, I actually want to tap into the power of discipline and invite you to partner and actually rise up to discipline yourselves in this season to partner with God for new construction in your life. Right? God wants to build new patterns, lasting things that are going to actually follow you in the season to come. This is the analogy that I got earlier when I was in prep for this. You know, in the preseason of, and I was a basketball player, so in preseason, uh, you know, before there's any games is when you practice the most intensely, you're the hardest in the gym, you work the most on the little drills, the fundamentals, the plays, the playbook. You know, the preseason is a more intensified practice experience, but it prepares you for what you're going to do in the regular season. So it, what you do in the preseason doesn't follow into the regular season, but what's instilled in the preseason does. And I hope that makes sense. And I believe right now we're we're in this quarantine season. That's a preseason of sorts. God is, is doing, he's getting us ready for an, a new way of living that is going to be different once all coronavirus goes away and we can go back to more, you know, quote unquote, normal life, which I don't ever want to live normal life, by the way. I just don't want to also have to be stuck in, in my house either, right? We're not called for normal. We're called for excellence. We're called for greatness, right? This quarantine season is a preseason. It's an intensified training experience that if we will partner with the grace and, and use discipline to build new routines, new patterns in relationship with, with God and with people in our lives, we will see that there's overflow into the regular season. We'll find that principles and things that are taught and, and, and how our spirit is edified and how our soul learns to follow the spirit in this quarantine season will have direct effect on on the, on the seasons to come and on the rest of our lives. And I believe that this can be, um, th this is a Cairo season. That was last week. And in Cairo season, things that take place in 30 days can have impact on 30 years from now. Things that take place, you know, God can decide, can use, can do years work of discipleship in short amount of time in short amount of time. And so this is a Cairo season, and I believe God wants to instill new disciplines to create a new rhythm of life. And, and that's tonight's message. It's a rhythm of life, right? And this is a word that I, I kind of made up on my own. Uh, ancient monastics used, it was called a rule of life. And that was what they used to govern uh, their walk with God, and it governed all of their activities in life. It was called a rule of life. I think rule sounds a little too, uh, you know, boxed in or, or legalistic even, um, especially when we're coming out of a lot of people have been wounded by kind of religious, workspace, performance-based spirituality. And so I like rhythm of life better, Um when we're, when we're speaking of rhythm of life, this is intentionally crafting a, uh, a game plan for where God is moving in every area of our life, right? God is the most intentional person that we will ever meet, meaning he cares about our finances, he cares about our marriage, he cares about our kids, he cares about our friendships, he cares about you know, every single aspect of our life, and he doesn't just care about it, he has a plan for them, and he's actually operating. He's moving. He's at work in these areas. So building a rhythm of life is, is a co-laboring relationship where I'm partnering with God through a relational connection, through conversation to say, okay, where are you moving? And then where are you calling me to partner with you? 
right? And this is the sense that I've, I've had, honestly, for probably the last six months, is that the church has not been able to fully meet God and partner with him because we've had too many constructs of busyness that keep us from, do, from, from obeying him. So I believe right now God is shaking a lot of things that have actually been resisting our full partnership and cooperation with him so that he can build what he wants to build in our lives. And so right now is an amazing opportunity to, for some new construction because God's tearing down some of the old construction that we kind of made because we thought it was a good idea or we thought it was right. And if you've listened to the devotionals, you'll probably know what I'm talking about in this. So a rhythm of life has two components. And the first is tempo. The second is practices. Right, so I want to talk about the tempo of God's rhythm, and then I'm going to talk about six different practices that I'm going to call you to as your pastor to make a daily part of your life during the next 30 days or however long this quarantine season lasts. Could be shorter, could be longer. We don't know. Right? In Acts chapter 2, uh, we see the, the, there's a, a verse that kind of describes the spirituality of the early church. It's verse 42, and it says, They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions, and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple, with the breaking of bread from house to house, and they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. Right? So day by day, continually devoting themselves. We see that the early church had this rhythm. They had a, a pattern, a game plan for how they were continually devoting themselves to a life of worship. Right, so I want to talk about how we, right now, in 2020, March 29th, 2020, in a quarantine world, we can partner with God in an intensified preseason experience to build a rhythm of life that will then bear fruit into uh, the times to come. Right? I'm going to rub some of you a little wrong right now because you're going to have a protest in your mind that's going to say, well, th this doesn't feel very organic. This doesn't, this, this feels controlling. This feels confining, right? And I just want to, I'm with you. I have felt the same way before, but the Lord has been convicting me in the, in the last months of my life of how reliant I have been on the emotional experience of inspiration to be faithful to obey what he's called me to do. Right? And what I, I realized is it was in the name of creativity. I like to think myself more artistic than like scientific, even in my sermons, even in when I write or when I do things. I, I, I want to feel inspired. I want to feel like I'm in the moment to do it. And so God, would, God had put things on my heart like, like a blog post. Um, some of you may have been following. I've been doing a weekly blog post. That's been in my heart to do for at least a year. Like I felt God calling me to do that. But I didn't do it because I never never felt inspired to write the blog post. Like, honestly, this is being true. And I realized it was in the name of like, I'm a millennial, Lord. I know you understand. It needs to be organic. If, you know, if it's really you, I will feel like it and I'll be floating on that lazy river and it will just come out of me one afternoon, right? And so I hadn't done it for a year because how often do you feel like that in life, if we're honest? Not very often, right? And so 
there, there's this tension between organic and intentional, right? And this is the funny thing about culture today is we love intentionality. We're all about intentionality. And we're also about all or, organic. And those two things uh, are kind of mutually exclusive. <laughs> like if it's intentional, I know if it's organic. Like if it's, you know, like I think you know what I'm saying, right? And so what I want to just present to you, and this is what the Lord's brought to me, is the idea of a garden box, right? So if you think of a garden, it is the most organic thing there is. It's literally organic. It creates food. It creates life. It does not get any more organic than a garden. And I have never seen one spontaneously take place in the middle of the wilderness, like things will grow, but it doesn't look like a garden. It looks like a patch of weeds. It looks like complete overgrowth and chaos, right? Gardens do not just happen anywhere. Gardens are one of the most intentionally crafted things as well. You have to build the box. You have to layer soil after soil, the special types of soil and the special types of fertilizers. You have to plant the seeds in the right time of the year. You have to water the seeds the right amount of water. You have to tend and prune to the plants. Gardens are extremely intentional and they're literally organic. And God has been showing me that building a rhythm of life is like building garden boxes around my time. And when he speaks to me and says, I want you to do this, right? I, I maybe have a moment of inspiration, but he's saying, now I want you, Jordan, to make a plan, build a garden box, put work, intentionality, labor, effort, and, and build in craft, put energy into building that garden box so that the organic growth, right, of the fruit can actually come to bear, right? So partnering with God, it's highly organic, but it's also highly intentional, right? So building a rhythm of life, and what I'm going to talk to you tonight, it's, it's, you're going to say, well, what the heck? Why should I do that? Why, why, why should I spend my time you know, the way that you're just making these suggestions. And I'd say, because that's what Jesus did in discipleship. That's what discipleship is fundamentally about. Jesus wants to influence the way we spend our time. And so I want to challenge you above all else in this quarantine season to actually submit yourself to someone else's ideas and see what happens. Right? Submit yourself to someone else's ideas and see what happens. I want you to submit to the ideas of our government. I want you to submit to our leaders of the CDC and Trump's administration. You say, well, I don't agree with their, I don't care if you don't agree with their politics. The Bible says clear, there's nothing ungodly that they're doing. They're operating out of the best interest for the public good. I want to challenge you to submit to their ideas and embrace this quarantine. Don't rebel against it because I promise you that's not where God is. Submit to what the government is, is telling us in the season for the greater good of our country and our world. I want you to submit to it. And I'm also going to just boldly ask you that you would submit to what I'm going to present to you tonight. So submit to these ideas. Test them out for the next weeks. You know, at least the April 15th when we're on this quarantine. And see what kind of fruit they bear in your life. Right? This is going to be highly organic and also very intentional. Right? So there's a tempo, a rhythm of life has a tempo and it has daily practices or daily exercises. Right? The tempo, which uh, I'm going to uh, reiterate this throughout the entire next week in the morning devotions, is to slow down. We have to slow down if we're going to catch up with God. 
We have to learn to slow down and meet God on the inside if we're ever going to be effective on partnering with him on the outside. God's rhythm is to slow down. Be still and know that I am God. God is never in a hurry. I want you to just think about that for a moment. God is not in a hurry. He's always on time. He's always deliberate. Right? If you think of a river, it's never in a hurry. It just flows. Right? God is flowing. God is on time. God is at rest even when he works. God enjoys what he creates. God has time. Jesus had time post-resurrection to make breakfast on the Sea of Galilee. He had time for meals with his people. Right? Jesus had time to stop and be inconvenienced with, like, God is not in a hurry. Jesus was not in a hurry. Why are we in such a hurry? We have to slow down if we're ever going to catch up with God. With God, slow is fast, and fast is slow. Right? So if we slow down, we'll actually find we get caught up in the wind of his spirit in that river of his grace. There'll be momentum in our lives because God is the creative force of the universe and the cosmos. And if we slow down, we'll get in touch with him and we'll find things flowing out of us that we never thought or imagined. But if we speed up, right, our speed and our haste actually produces disconnection. And so we forfeit what we can have in him and through him for what we can do on our own striving. And we can create a lot, but we stress ourselves out and it's ultimately empty. So the tempo of any rhythm of life is to slow down. And I want to encourage you all in this season to slow down. Think slower. Read the scriptures slower. Write slower. Talk slower. Eat slower. You know, drive slower. I had this beautiful encounter with God a couple weeks back when I, I wanted to rush across town because I was waiting for an important piece of information. And God said, slow down. I said, okay. And he said, go below the speed limit. And honestly, it was hard to do. It was convicting. I was like, why can't I go below the speed limit? Like, why am I stressed that I go just, just right at it or just above it? Because right? I'm always in a hurry. I want to invite you to partner with the grace of God and slow down. That is the tempo of God's rhythm of life. Learn to be on time as he is on time. And I believe it will produce a lot of rest, a lot of peace, and increased fruitfulness, more than what you can do on your own strength. So I want to invite you to slow down. And then I'm going to lay out six practices Six daily practices and the devotionals this week, the next six days, will go deeper into each one of these practices. I just want to touch on them quickly. And these are daily routines that are done with discipline as acts of worship. Right? So these are six daily routines. I want you to do all six of these things every day for this quarantine. Right? And I want you to use discipline. I don't want you to do it because you feel like it. I don't want you to do it because it's like, wow, I had this amazing feeling flow out of me. And I just, 
I want to do it. I think I can fly, right? No, I just want you to do it. Like, let's just listen to Phil Knight and just do it, okay? That is actually worship. It says in, uh, it says, this is uh, 1 John 5.3. It says, this is the love of God that you obey his commandments. Doesn't say that you feel like obeying him. Doesn't say that you'll tell him you'll obey him. This is the love of God. Obey his commandments. That's what discipleship looks like. You just do it, right? It it's not, doesn't have to be euphoric all the time. Right, so six daily practices, and this is where I'm going to invite you. I want you to build garden boxes. I want you to put in the work. I want you to make a plan with God and say, "Okay, how am I going to do these this time?" And this is this is not this is not like these are not going to be out there ethereal things. These are going to be practical daily practices that anybody can do, and doesn't even matter how old anybody can do this. Families can do these together. So uh, here they are. And this is the order that we're going to uh, present them throughout this week, Monday through Saturday. Uh, the first is silence and scripture. I want to invite you all uh, to spend the first hour of your day in silence and in engaging with the scripture. Uh, we created actually a, an all-church uh, daily reading plan that will also be put out tomorrow morning with the devotional um, that you can listen to. So I'm going to invite you to spend uh, time, and if you will go on this reading plan, you will read the entirety of the Psalms, the Proverbs, and the Gospels in the next 30 days. And we'll just feast on Scripture together. And really, silence the Scripture are two tools that we use to connect with the voice of God. And the reason I say the first hour of the day is because if we make His voice the priority of our day, He will be the governor influence of the rest of our day, right? So that's the first. The second is thanksgiving. Uh, I want you to be thankful every day, to actually have a set-apart time when you do nothing but give thanks to God for all his goodness in your life. And I'm actually going to invite you, you'll, you'll see in the devotional, but I'm going to invite you to do that together. I want you to do that with someone else. Like actually have a time where you share your gratitude to God in community with one another. Two, Three is fellowship and sharing a meal. I want you to have a household or a family meal once a day for, for this, this time. Uh, fourth, I'm going to call you to actually restrict your media consumption to no more than one hour per day uh, as far as social media or news, right? So limited engagement with news. Not, you don't need to cut it off. I think it's good to be aware of what's happening, but limited, no more than one hour a day. And instead, I want you to, to do, uh, to, I believe that God wants to redeem childlike creativity. I'm going to talk more about this on Thursday morning. But actually um, engage in an act of creativity, like how kids, they'll go play with bugs, or they'll go in the backyard, or they'll like do whatever. Like kids don't need to be spoon-fed things to make fun. They know how to create. And so I want to call you to be consumers, to do a creative act, one creative act. It might be you know, sitting down and writing a poem. It might be, uh, you know, uh, making, finding a new recipe and making a meal. Like, just do something creative instead of just spending time consuming endlessly. So that's the fourth. The fifth, uh, I want to call you to 30 minutes of exercise every day and healthy eating. Um, and, and we're going to talk more about that on Friday. And then uh, lastly, is I'm, I want to call you to generosity. I want to call you to one act, at least one act of generosity a day where you sit down and, and you say, okay, God, I'm going to spend these 15, 20 minutes saying, 
what can I do that is not about me today? Put someone else before me and show me how I can bless them. Do I buy someone groceries? Do I send someone a text? Do I gift someone money? Do I, you know, whatever it may be to be generous, right? So six daily practices I want to call you to make a part of your life. And I believe that if you will build these garden boxes, we will see more fruitfulness come out of this than, than we even know, right? And some of you may even, you know, the Lord may call you to additional things. By all means, please do it. I'm not trying to take all of your time with this, but I'm trying to give you some baby steps. Like these really are baby steps to, to start partnering with God intentionally to become disciples, right? We're not, we're not like, Jesus's followers weren't called like feelers. Man, those are Jesus's feelers. They felt like following him. They felt like praying. They felt like reading. They're the feelers of Christ. I've never read that in the scripture. We're called disciples, and disciples are disciplined. And and so these six practices, we're going to journey deeper into each one the next six days. I want to just tell you guys, just do it. Like, just do it. Don't make excuses. Like, some of you, it may be impossible because you're still working. If you're in healthcare, you know, don't, don't hear what I'm not saying. But most people, you can do this. And you could do a lot of this even in a normal life. But I'm going to call you to just do it. Right? The love of God is to obey his commandments. I believe that if you'll be faithful to obey and to do this, no matter what it feels like, no matter if you feel inspired or not, you'll actually step into grace, right? Because as God's leading and we partner, that's how we get into rhythm with the unforced great rhythm of his grace. And that is the most amazing way to live our lives, right? If you want to live in the momentum of God, if you want to live feeling like your sails are full of the wind of his spirit, that is how you do it. It's an intentional partnership where we listen and then we obey. We listen and then we obey and we make plan. We, we be strategic with this, right? The gift we've been given every single day is time. Time is the most precious, sacred resource. It has the most amazing potential. It can be used and invested every single day to produce things of an eternal weight of glory. Like that's scriptural, right? It is the time we've been given can impact eternity, right? So what are you gonna do with your time? You have a lot of leisure right now. You have a lot of extra time you typically don't have. You have time for reflection. You have time to sit. You have time to really engage with an unprecedented season in human history. This is unlike any other, and God has orchestrated this for such a time as this. He's trying to bring a reformation for his bride so that she will stop being in such a hurry that she misses out on the true treasures, the true wealth of what God has called us to as Christians, right? So I believe that this is a season about laying a foundation, right? This is about laying a foundation of a rhythm of life that will be built on in seasons to come. God will, God will nuance it. God will do different things in different seasons, and we're learning as disciples to follow him with greater clarity and, and, and greater consistency and greater faithfulness, right? God wants to build our life on the rock, so that it doesn't matter what comes against us, we're built and we're established and we're building and building and building and building and building all the days of our life because this is the truth, guys. It's not a tiny rock. Jesus is not a tiny rock. He is a massive rock. He is an anchor. He is a bedrock that we can build and build and build and build 
and build upon. Jesus, that is what it means to be a disciple. It is one who builds their life, generation after generation, a legacy that's founded on the rock of Christ. Your spirit is willing. Your spirit is willing to engage and have, it has the strength and the fortitude to establish new disciplines. New disciplines of, of praying, of, of sleeping, of waking up in the morning, of eating, of exercise, of family connection around the dinner table, right? of generosity. Your spirit is willing. Right? I promise you, your flesh will want to make excuses. Oh, you know, no, this is just, you know, I'll, I'll do it tomorrow. No, don't do it tomorrow. Do it today. Do it today. Do it now. Now is the time of reformation. Now is the time that the Lord is working. Do not miss your day of visitation. Do not let him pass you by. Right? This is the time for, for the people who really want him to rise up and say, okay, whatever, God, whatever you want to do, do it. Build my life on the rock. Right? Build this garden and the fruit will grow. Build this garden and you're going to learn how to build a bigger garden in the next season that bears more fruit. Right? So don't despise small beginnings. Six practices. Submit to ideas that aren't your own and see what takes place. That's a good word, church. As Dan Bohai says, I'm preaching real good tonight. You know, I believe that these are exciting times and we do not need to be afraid. You do not need to be afraid. Do not look to what you can't control. Look to God. He's faithful. Don't look to the winds and the waves because they're going to tell you that life is insecure and vulnerable. Look to Jesus and you will find a steadfast confidence and a hope. A hope that enters through the veil and is anchored in the Holy of Holies. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He He knows the plans he has for you. He knows the plans he has for this nation. And it is a bride that is built on the rock of Jesus that will stand and be a light on a hill that people will look to. And I believe he is preparing a time for salvation to come once more to this nation. And he is getting us ready for it. Have hope. Have hope and see the unseen by faith right now and respond now. This is the preseason. This is the preseason. And the teams that win the championship, they always say they won it in the preseason. That's when it started. See your, fix your eyes on the prize. Fix your eyes on the fulfillment of the promises God has given you for your own heart. Fix your eyes on the glory that is to be revealed through his church in the midst of this nation. See it. You are a vital part of it happening. And what you do now has great implications of what will come ahead. There's going to be a harvest reaped in this nation through what's going on right now. Be one who's prepared. Be a laborer that is raised up to go into the harvest. You don't just happen one day and, wow, I'm walking through a wheat field and I got my sickle in my hand. That's not how it happens. The people that find themselves in the days of harvest used mightily by the hand of God are those that have labored and prepared diligently to be there. They are there because they've earned it. This is not about salvation. This is not about like a workspace spirituality. This is about faithfulness to those who overcome, to those who persevere as all the promises in the book of Revelation. Be one who overcomes. Be one who says, I'm not content just to enter into the door of heaven. I want to press on into the very throne of grace 
and I want to behold you. I want to give all that I am, like Paul that says, I'll give anything to lay hold of that for which he laid hold of me. I, I want to know him in, in any circumstance. I want to know him in his death. I want to know him in his resurrection. I want to ascertain the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. These are the times when the cream's going to rise to the crop, and it is the people that say, I am willing to do things different. I am willing to submit to ideas that aren't my own, to try a new thing, to build a new rhythm of life, to establish my life on the rock so that I am living according to the leadership of Jesus. The more we do this, the better we will get. And there has never been a better time to start than right now. So God, I pray that you bless your church. Give us grace. And I just speak, God, into the spirit of your bride. God, not your Holy Spirit, but the spirit of your church. And I just declare the truth that our spirit is willing. And though our flesh is weak, you will give us the fortitude and the grace we need to rise up and take leadership in our inner man. God, may you strengthen us in our inner man. God, may you root us and ground us in love so that we can know your love and be filled with your fullness. God, do a work on the inside that translates to the outside right now in such a time as this, God. Help us build our lives and get in step with the unforced rhythm of your grace so that we can partner with you for the abundant manifold fruitfulness that you are desiring to bring. We thank you, God, for what you are doing in these days. We thank you that when our test, our faith is tested, it comes forth like pure gold if we will simply persevere. God, give us the grace to persevere, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. We would love to partner with you in prayer. It looks a little different right now, but if you are on the app or if you're on the church website, you can fill out a prayer request. You'll be personally followed up with and ministered to by someone that's on our ministry team. And we would love to uh, just continue partnering with you in that way in this season. I pray the grace and the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all tonight. And we will see you tomorrow morning as we continue this journey of constructing a rhythm of life with Jesus. Good night, River House.